Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Romance in Color, your place for discussions about real inclusive love. I'm one half of the duo here at Romance in Color, Tati Richardson, your resident romance writer and reader. So glad you all could come back again this week. We have an amazing, amazing uh, interview and podcast this week with author Anna P. She hails from Chennai, India, and we had a super early morning call on her end uh, interview about her writing, her her identity as being queer and brown, and what that means for her in a place like India, and all of her works uh, that she's working on now. And in our What is Book Talk reading segment, we have a plethora of book talk recommendations from Addie, aka Educated Cloud 11 from Book Talk. She's given us a number of series and a number of books that she feels that we really should get into. But first, enjoy our interview with author Anna P. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I am here with my interview for this week, uh, romance author Anna P. Anna, how are you? I am good. Thank you for having me. And Anna is calling and joining us all the way from India uh, in Chennai. Is that correct? Chennai, India? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yes, Chennai, India. Um, and so I am so honored and privileged to have her on the podcast. She joins us super early in the morning, her time. <laughs> um, but I am so excited. So I'm going to ask you the first question. First of all, before we get started, can you tell the people mm-hmm. a little bit about you and where you're from? Um, I did mention India and kind of uh, what made you fall in love with romance novels? Like when did you first fall in love with romance novels? Sure. Um, well, I've been born and brought up in India. I've sort of traveled around the world. So I've kind of had lots of exposure to different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm so fascinated by people uh, in general. And I feel like that's one of the things that I love about the romance genre, because you meet one, you meet such interesting people through the community, which, whether mm-hmm. it's authors or readers, but also the books introduce you to a vast variety of cultures and just characters that you might never have met in your life. And that's one of the things that drew me to romance in general. Um, and in terms of writing, I've always just wanted to write books. Believe it or not, I wanted to write fantasy when I was younger. But mm-hmm. then I realized world building is way too stressful. And I don't <laughs> have the patience. Yeah. And uh, But romance, uh, just it, romance, there's something about the genre that just sort of sucks you. Like once you fall in love with stories and stories about people falling in love, it's just you can't leave like I've been I've been reading romance now for about five years and someone says so what else do you read and I'm like what do you mean what else what more do you need in romance right right. so yeah that that's yeah and like you said I'm from India and it is very early in the morning here but um but yeah I'm that's these are all the small things in life and people that I've met have just kind of inspired me to write romance read romance and all of that in between yeah, so I, I read up a little bit on, on your bio and you said mm-hmm. that you were, have a degree in journalism and creative writing. And like yep. you've had this amazing like career in music, like writing for Rolling Stone, uh, mm-hmm. India, Sony Music, and then you're free, now you're a freelance editor and copywriter. How did yep. your career kind of lead you to writing professionally or, 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 or kind of moving like into your love of writing? Um, romance professionally rather um well I come from a family of journalists and that's kind of what set me on the path in terms of like Rolling Stone and so writing has just been something that I've mm-hmm. always enjoyed uh, whether it's professionally writing about music or whatever it may be um you know I I actually so I did my master's in creative writing without thinking that I would one day write a novel but mm-hmm. That was kind of like, a, you know, let's study this in case at some point I do follow through with my dream of publishing a book. Mm-hmm. Um, but writing is just, it's been part of my life since I was really young. My mother will tell you that I started reading when I was, whether I was processing what I was reading or not at 10 months, like I was flipping through pages of books. Wow. And by the time I was like five, I was desperate for stories and, you know, telling stories. Like I made, 
as my bio says, I lived in make-believe worlds and you know, I thought I was a teacher. And so just <laughs> the imagination and creating these worlds that only I live in was just something that I always did. And I guess after so many years of writing for other people, I decided, you know what? Yeah. I could make a little bit of money writing for myself. And <laughs> and I say a little bit because as in as in as a self-published author, that's exactly what it is when you start right. off anyway. Right. But yeah, so that's what's just got me to this point. Right. So your first novel, is it almost almost maybe? Yep. And um it's an age gap romance and it features a bisexual Indian heroine. Mm-hmm. Um, and a nerdy dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I know from reading your bio, um, you're also identified as queer um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, what about, what was kind of the impetus for this particular story? And mm-hmm. what were you inspired by? Were you inspired by your own life um, writing this story? Or, you know, what kind of elements did you want to bring from your own, you know, personal identities to this story? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I tell a lot of people that Oleander, my my uh, the lead character in the book, is inspired heavily by me. She mm-hmm. is in the sense that you know she's she's fat, she's bisexual, she's Indian, um, and all of those things are inspired. That's basically me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I wanted to tell a story about an Indian woman who was not um, bogged down by the sort of patriarchy of arranged marriages and mm. all of that drama I feel like a lot of romances that feature Indian character and no offense or shade to any of the authors who mm. write that because I know that that's what is familiar and you know oh, yeah. I for, for me I don't come from a background where I've been forced into meeting uh, eligible bachelors or what have you but mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of a lot of Indian we do go through that and mm-hmm. I wanted to sort of portray this Indian character who was completely different from the other Indian characters you meet in romance and I wanted to tell mm-hmm. a story of just you can be you can look like whoever you you know whoever whatever your skin the color of your skin doesn't matter but mm-hmm. you can find love and you can find good love um, no matter where and maybe with the most perfect person when you don't expect them to be that person. And that's kind of what I wanted to put across in the in the story. And I like to think that I did. Um, okay. A lot of people say that it does come across. But mm-hmm. also, you know, when you write your book, you know that you've you know that you've done the thing that you wanted to do, but you don't know if you've done it well if that makes I, I sense. definitely think I definitely think you've done it well I mean I read the reviews and everybody's like, oh yeah, this is mm-hmm. this is different. This is different from the things that you know, I've read featuring other, you know, um, Daisy or Brown uh, folks mm-hmm. as as leads. And, you know, yep. it is for me, I, I think running across your work, I was like, yeah, this is different because, you know, like you said, normally I've been um, exposed to uh, Asian authors who are Indian authors, South Asian authors who so much of the the, the premise of the book is the marriage trap yep. or the marriage convenience or yep. or or whatever or some Jane Austen retelling <laughs> <laughs> That's true. or something yep. um but this is so modern and just really fresh and mm-hmm. and just really different I think it's something that that a modern uh, woman can really really kind of um adhere you know kind of like hold on to and say hey that's me and it kind of reflects who, who they are um yep. yeah that was really really cool so what, let's talk about you just writing in general. Mm-hmm. Um, what does a typical like writing setup look like for you? Like what, what is a typical day? How do you balance all of your other responsibilities with, you know, writing, you know, your mm-hmm. novels, like particularly around the first novel that you wrote, how did you balance everything to get this particular novel out as a self-published author? Oh God, the the journey for my first book was quite, because I was, in the middle, it was in the middle of, well, not middle, it was actually the end of 2020. So we were mm-hmm. deep in the pandemic. Yeah. And I was working full-time in an advertising agency, which meant that I was working slightly unhealthy hours because we were all working from home. And mm-hmm. I would spend all day working and then I would spend all night writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first book was kind of, uh, uh, the first draft anyway, was just, it was a horrible time for me. The fact that I managed to get it out is is quite miraculous. But um, generally my writing, I spend 
uh, I was talking to someone else about this recently. The first half of my day I spend on like work. So because now my work is a freelance copywriter. So my first half. So till about lunch, I'm doing all my work, getting all my work things off my checklist. And then the second half of the day is dedicated to writing my books. And um, I, I'm the kind of person who has ideas at all the weird times like when I'm in sleeping or I'm in the shower or I'm just in the toilet I will just come up with ideas so I carry a notebook with me everywhere I go and I start writing it down um Mm -hmm. but my writing process I'm I'm a very I like to call myself a very organized person in the sense that I set timings and I follow those as precisely as I possibly can Mm -hmm. um but you know weirdly enough I don't think I have a set process or a specific way that I uh, do my writing I just if I'm in the mood I sometimes write if I'm not I just sort of skip that day completely um, and I'm sure you'll you will agree with me that you can't always force yourself to write words when oh, no. there are no words in your head you just kind yeah. of sit at your computer and you can stare at a black document for hours <laughs> and nothing will yeah. happen so yeah that is if I don't know if that answers the question exactly oh, no, but it's my process it's answers the question yeah. although you're saying you're organized you're not sort sort of a you kind of like when the mood strikes mm-hmm. <laughs> versus yeah exactly like, okay these, I'm gonna sit here at this time this day <laughs> to, to it's a right you know it's like okay yeah. I'm feeling the mood I'm feeling the I'm feeling the ideas flowing although yeah. you may have a plot you know or an mm-hmm. outline I just you know here is the time that I feel like writing I mean I think that's I think that's I think I get it I mean I totally get mm-hmm. I totally get it because <laughs> I'm definitely not a person who writes every day either i'm definitely uh-huh. somebody who the mood has to like strike them and all the like stars have to align for me to be like mm-hmm. really in the mood to like really sit down and like hammer out you know two three thousand words at a time um yep. yeah so how did publishing your first book kind of change your perspective on like writing and even the publishing process uh ooh, so i <laughs> i I do not know how to answer this, but I'm I'm gonna try. Um, it kind of it is kind of stressful when you're publishing your for self publishing, especially because there's so much work that goes into it from your mm-hmm. side. Like you have to do all of your own marketing and you have to create mm-hmm. all of this content. So there's a lot of your time is spent just marketing yourself. So the mm-hmm. first couple of months after I published my first book, I had no time to write. I had no time to to do anything for myself it was just kind of um you know you just sort of dedicated to putting the book out and getting the mm-hmm. word out because you have mm-hmm. to just make sure that you reach all of the right readers mm-hmm. um but it's also taught me so much in terms of um what the audience wants and how to communicate with them and how to reach them and um it is it's I'm still learning like I I feel like I'm never going to stop learning especially when it comes to self-publishing yeah but it's it's also given me I mean over the last few months specifically it's sort of it's I'm still stressing out because I just published my second book and all of that together just becomes there's there's a lot of pressure on me now (laughs) to (laughs) produce a third book and do it well but also still manage to just kind of be present um all the time uh but it's it going through self-publishing and I'm not sure if this answers the question but it's also introduced me to a lot of people who have great advice and who have great tips on how to tackle um different sort of issues that I'm facing and um the indie author community is just is spectacular in that sense that everyone's very supportive and everyone's very understanding and everyone has advice and everyone's been through what I'm going through so everyone knows exactly how to tackle those issues um it but it's teaching me patience and I think that Mm. is something that um I think a lot of people will say as well that the publishing journey teaches you patience because you you have to wait a long time before your book gets any kind of traction Mm -hmm. and that and patience is something that I'm so bad at. Even as a kid, <laughs> I was just bad at patience. So <laughs> I think the biggest learning is how to be patient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause you just like you, it's like you put your baby out there and you're just like waiting. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna yep. like your baby? <laughs> who's exactly. gonna pick who's gonna pick up your baby? Yeah, yeah. 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 So I know the process of writing can be just long and solitary and just mm-hmm um 
sometimes mind numbing how do you kind mm-hmm. of break up those moments when you're feeling like you're just like in the weeds or you're just you know out there your mind is just like not really focused you know during the writing process mm-hmm. um I have a great group of friends I've been so lucky with getting and I the minute my brain just said nope I kind of just get out of my so I live by myself mm-hmm. and I am as as a person I am quite solitary so mm-hmm. I'm already I live alone and I I like my my alone time and my peace so mm-hmm. when I'm alone and and uh, and then my writing becomes too much so the combination of all of that then kind of pushes me to go out and I do things with my friends sometimes I like don't come back to writing for three days because mm-hmm. I kind of need that break so um but if it's not my friends I read a lot and in the sense that I this year alone I have read about 370 books oh my gosh <laughs> that's like a yeah. book a day <laughs> yeah that is that is what it is and I read so whenever I'm not writing and whenever I want to distract myself from writing I sort of dive into other people's worlds and stories it kind of distracts me from what I'm doing and it allows me to just kind of not think about my stories so if I'm not out with my friends stepping away from my computer for days I'm reading um I'm, I, I I don't know what other authors do actually what would you do in a situation like that like when you need a break from you know writing um for me I do something that gives me comfort like mm-hmm. um I watch a comfort show. Like it might be a show that I've seen a million times, but it's it's a comfort watch for me, or um, a book that's a comfort read for me. I might reread a scene that I like, you know, over and over mm-hmm. again, or um, I listen to uh, you know, a certain music or soundtrack that'll try to get me back in the mood of writing. Because I do make playlists sometimes for the books that I write. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I was like getting the mood or try to get in the mood of that particular character's head that I was working on or writing mm-hmm. whose perspective I was writing from to try to get back in there. But um yeah, that's what that's what I do. Nobody's ever asked me a question. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, anything to distract your brain from what you're doing. Yeah, I think that and I I I don't have a lot of comfort shows. I mean, though I will watch every episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine again and again if I could. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that is that is pretty much what I do as well. Like mm-hmm. I would just turn to something else that is not my work to sort of distract from the I mean they say that author being an author is a solitary journey and you kind of mm-hmm. you have to you have to make friends and you have to connect with other people and sort of distract yourself from um you know all of the the lonely thoughts when you're working mm-hmm. on your book so I guess mm-hmm. any way that I can step out of that little bubble I take it mm-hmm. but yeah <laughs> so being in India how have you connected with other authors um authors particularly authors of color and other queer authors mm-hmm. um I'm sure social media plays a big part in that. So how, yep. how have you connected with other authors that are like similar, doing similar work as you, um, you know, in the it's kind been, of ethosphere? Yeah. Yeah. It's been heavily through Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. So my Instagram, I started as a bookstagrammer where I would connect with authors and I would read. I was, I've always been supporting indie authors. That's kind of been, I focus more on indie authors and I just connected with a ton of them over the years. And mm-hmm. then as I sort of switched from being a bookstagrammer to becoming an author, um, those relationships just kind of evolved with it. And then this year alone has, I think 2022 has probably been, has seen the largest number of debut authors. Mm-hmm. And it's quite literally every day there's a new author that comes out. <laughs> and I'm I'm just blown away by yeah. how in how many queer authors very specifically are coming mm-hmm. out this year with books. And I've tried to connect with them as much as possible. Um mm-hmm. it is not as easy. There are not many Indian um authors that I've connected with on Instagram, mm-hmm. but I do connect with 
quite a few um, other people of color and other queer authors. And mm-hmm. it's just finding that it's 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 not easy, obviously, because right. they already have their, their communities and their friends groups. But you just kind of, I can be annoying and say, I need, you need to be my friend and I'm <laughs> going to be your friend. Uh-huh. I'll just like slide into DMs and I'm like, I love your book. Let's be friends. And yeah, that's yeah. kind of how I've made friends with most of my author friends right now. Yeah. Where you just kind of, like you force yourself into their life and hope that they will keep you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's been so far. Um, uh-huh. But I am I. If I mean, I think most of the authors that I've connected with are are not queer and not people of color. But that's also because um, maybe I need to just so I need to widen my. Um, net and I need to sort of widen my contacts I need to widen the the books that I'm reading and I know I read a lot but I think I also I know for a fact that I have to expand the um the authors and the types of books that I'm reading and I know that through that then I will do what I've been doing to all the other authors that I've met where I would just show up in the DM and say this book was awesome um I love the way your brain mm-hmm. works let's mm-hmm. be friends forever and just kind of <laughs> put myself in their life like keep the, keep myself in their view forever so that's I just that's something that's for 2023 I'm kind of working towards it I don't want to stress anybody out doing the holidays now yeah so. yeah yeah wait till January when you like okay yeah like my resolution was to make new friends let me jump in your DMs <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so I, I want to ask a, a rather personal question mm-hmm. um I know I, I work with a lot of international students in my day job mm-hmm. and a, a large number of students from India. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, being queer in India, mm-hmm. um, because I, I am a safe space um, um, advocate at my job, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't feel like they have a safe space to kind of, you know, be out and about. It depend. Yep. I guess depending on certain parts of of India, they may be in a more or, urban area, maybe okay, but mm-hmm. um, in a more rural area, not so much. So I just want to know what is the atmosphere like in India for someone such as yourself who is queer, who is a woman, who is in these kind of marginalized groups that you know oftentimes don't have a voice. In, mm-hmm. in in a place that's you know very do- a, a, a more patriarchal uh dominant society you know how, how does that work and how are you able to reach other folks in your community in India mm-hmm. that are like oh my god I love your work oh my god you know I, I love you. you spoke to me this you know and how does that make you feel so I'll be very honest with you. I mm-hmm. have not connected with other queer people outside of my immediate circle. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a pride parade that happens every year. And it always happens at a time when I'm not in the city. So I've always <laughs> missed it. And I'm really upset because this year they, they canceled it the last three years because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And this year it ha- it happened, but it was so last minute. They didn't give like, I think out of the usual, say 500 people that show up, I think like 10 people showed up because oh nobody had enough time to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my within my friends group, there are, I have quite a few, I have quite a few queer friends mm-hmm. and, and it sounds, it might sound kind of horrible when I say that I don't, um, so I don't do any physical marketing or any physical sort of meeting of other queer people in my city Partly because um, I'm I I don't know how to say it without sounding weird, but I don't uh, flaunt my queerness. I guess that I, was I, some, I that's it. a way to say. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. I I I am bisexual. I'm proud of mm-hmm. who I am, and I'm proud of my sexuality and all of that. But I don't sort of uh, wear it. Um, like you, when you look at me, you're not gonna know whether I'm queer or not. And that's something that mm-hmm. it's not something I don't do it consciously. Like I'm not hiding who I am, but I've never. Mm-hmm the kind of person who needs to I don't even tell people I'm an author my friends are the ones who do that they're just like right. she's an author you've got to you know she's famous and I'm just like please stop this is so embarrassing <laughs> but the same way I don't wear my queerness mm-hmm. on my sleeve or on my chest I kind of just when I meet other queer people I get very excited and I so we talk about our queerness and all that but I don't go out of my way to connect with other queer people and I know mm-hmm. that's that that is a that is a huge uh, concern and I mm-hmm. and it's it's 
I do need to connect with more queer people. But I also found that in the city, a lot of the queer people are like much younger than I am. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of always been an issue for me. Like I, I'm a really old person. <laughs> I'm not okay. like, oh, age-wise. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not an old person age-wise, but like I can't handle young people and I get really... <laughs> irritated and frustrated so I feel like that sort of just stops me from socializing and <laughs> hanging you're like, out you're with like the people. old lady like get off my lawn <laughs> exactly <laughs> that is exactly what I am so to answer your question um I I think I connect more with queer people on the internet through Instagram and through my newsletters and through social media of any kind more than I do connecting with queer people in person mm-hmm. um so I don't know if that sort of sort of tells you no, but no, no, no. Yeah. I, tol- I totally understand because like you say a you're at a certain age and and, and I, I'm, I'm gonna assume you're in your 40s I'm gonna assume you guess close no. <laughs> close close 30s late 30s yeah. th- th- 38 yeah see see I'm good so I yeah. mean people but to our age like I'm, I'm in my early 40s um mm-hmm. you know we're not people who I don't think go around stating oh my god you know we don't necessarily wear our experiences on our sleeves so Mm -hmm. much as the next generation um Mm -hmm. you know I don't you know I'm not taunting my blackness or my queerness or this and the third um like some of my younger counterparts would Mm -hmm. um and because I know for me because I came into my queerness very late in life Mm -hmm. um I just felt like okay what's the point now like it's just like <laughs> I'm old like yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter um but yeah. I, I totally get it because it's like okay I, I'm just who I am I'm just here I'm just existing I'm just mm-hmm. being and you know while you may respect the experience and you acknowledge your experience acknowledge your existence acknowledge others existence it's like okay but that's not all who I am you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Exactly. That's, that's not that's not all of me. I'm also, like you said, a writer. I think your mm-hmm. friends will probably talk about you being a writer before they would anything else. You know, yeah. Uh, same from <laughs> same for my friends too, or 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 that I'm a mom or a wife or whatever, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but those those small, perhaps for us, I know for me, my sexuality is a very very small part of who I am. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. although it informs what I write, it informs how I experience things, it's still it's still a small part of who I am. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's that's perfect. That's exactly I wish I had said exactly that. <laughs> no, because I felt <laughs> you. I felt you with what you were saying. I said, Oh yeah, I get what she's saying. I, I totally <laughs> do. Totally do. Yeah. So yeah. when you're writing and you're writing these um books, I know your second book was almost forever's and there's like mm-hmm. a grumpy sunshine um thing and I love the fact that I, I like I read all the trigger warnings and everything I like the fact that you put trigger warnings in there so mm-hmm. what were some of like the really hard scenes to write for particularly for that book because I know that one had a lot of kind of heavy hitting issues in that one um what were some of the most difficult scenes for you to write for that for that book your second book um so the second book it, so the second book is has deals with um abortion and sterilization and not wanting to have kids and all of that and I know that those are very sensitive topics Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot of research that goes into it and just making sure that you're you're not sort of offending anybody you're saying anything wrong and I know that there are going to be readers who will be against um, the decisions that my characters make which is fine because that's their personal opinion but to answer your question it's it's always hard to sort of um so I'm a person while I'm not in a relationship and I have no um children of any of any kind. Um I I it's I'm basing this off of a lot of people's a lot of other people's experiences in terms of, you know, choosing to live, have uh, child-free relationships and marriages. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of people make those decisions because whether it's because it's a fear of being pregnant or you know, it's just, it, it's the pregnancy might hurt you or take your life and the life mm-hmm. of your child. Mm-hmm. Um, so writing about that, is, it's hard, but as someone who has not been through that, I feel like it was a little easier for me to sort of separate myself from the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas book one, 
I tackled racism, which is something mm. that I have dealt with. And that was harder to write because mm. um, I've, I've lived like with my, thanks to my dad's job, we've traveled all around the world. And even in India, sometimes you, you, you get, there are, we've got so many racist people in India. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it blows my mind how we're all, we're, we're one nation, right? We're people mm. of, we, yes, there are different skin tones. Like I'm a lot fairer than a lot of other people. Right. But you still like the fairer Indians are so racist towards the darker Indians. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And racism is just, I mean, you can't really do anything about racism. You can just teach people to not be uh, racist. But that is so writing book one, tackling those hard topics in book one was a lot harder than it was in book two, because book two, it was based on research and conversation with people who've gone through it, whereas book one right. was based on personal stuff. And yeah. how do you how do you tackle someone who is so blatantly oblivious and ignorant, um, but also do it in a way that doesn't offend people of your race and offend mm-hmm. people of other races? Because I don't want someone to read my book and say, oh, she's just attacking me now, whether it's book one or book two, whatever the right. topic may be. Right. I don't want someone to feel like they're being attacked. But I also want people to see that these are things that happen in the real world. Like people choose not to have children and they choose it because of health reasons. And they choose mm-hmm. it because they're afraid of the idea of carrying a child is I, I have a friend who refu- who just, who's just recently got married, but she's decided that she's never going to have a child because the sight of pregnant women scares her because she worries for them. So she's not going to, mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be pregnant herself because she will be worried about herself the mm-hmm. whole time. Mm. and these are normal things and mm. I feel like we need to normalize that we need to sort of yeah. have these conversations where it's okay and you don't have to explain yourself in like you know in so many words why you don't want to have a child or why you chose this journey for yourself it's your choice at the end of the day whether you are going to as you're going to ignore a racist person or you're not going to have a child I mean they're two different things but at the end of the day it is your choice of how you're going to handle a tough situation like that so writing both of them were hard but the racist racist tones of book two uh, sorry book one Mm -hmm. the sort of putting those scenes were really hard and that's why in my uh, content warnings in the beginning of the book of book book one and two I, I specify chapters and the pages that people can avoid if they don't want to read those scenes oh yeah because as comfortable as people are with you know protesting and all of that sometimes you don't want to read stuff that um is kind of painful maybe for them to read so I believe that content warnings are very important in that sense I appreciate that I know some people are of the school that they they don't feel like content warning should be there at all they feel like you know Mm -hmm. they spoil the book or I don't I'm not really of that, you know, mindset. Same. I mean, think that it helps readers kind of gauge what they can and cannot handle. Absolutely. matter-wise and, you know, puts them in the mind frame of, okay, do I want to continue with this at all? Because mm-hmm. reading, reading, you know, is a choice. It's a, and for many, it's a luxury. So you don't, mm-hmm. I mean, you shouldn't put people in a painful situation where they just want to escape, you know, yep. sometimes. Absolutely. It's definitely a choice. Um, mm-hmm. So what's next for you in this particular series? I know we have a third book coming out. Um, yeah. So what, can you tell us a little bit about this third book that's coming out? Sure. Um, I think you might be the first person to get more information out of me on this <laughs> book. Um, so book three is a roommate's forced proximity. Um, yeah. So the, my, the hero is, biracial and bisexual um double and my heroine is demisexual mm. um it's writing writing for her has been a good journey to sort of discover my own sort of demisexuality and my mm-hmm. um that part of myself so that's been good mm-hmm. and um yeah, I, I just finished the first draft and I'm in the process of doing my own self-edits on pen to paper, which is kind of fun. And I'm finding all of the things that seem so ridiculous in this book and reworking it. But I think this is going to be one of my favorites of the series. Like I'm already obsessed with these characters. So they <laughs> she she loses her apartment in a fire and she's sort of forced to live with him because um, he's part of the friend circle from books one and two. Mm-hmm. And the first maybe 
five or six chapters they don't see each other because they work different hours right. and so they communicate through post-it notes and he he's he cooks so he's a he's a novelist but also he enjoys cooking so there's a lot of food in this book and I think that mm. all my books have a lot of food in it because mm. people end up being very hungry when they finish reading um <laughs> So he cooks a lot. So he cooks for her and he cooks a lot of these, you know, all the stuff that he enjoys. And so that's how he seduces her, I guess. That's a way to say it. Like, mm. that's how they sort of communicate and connect. Um, and uh, and then because so part of her demisexual, de- sorry, demisexuality is that she's not very experienced in terms of intimacy and sex. Mm. Mm. So he sort of helps her and teaches her and guides her. And mm. they discover a lot of um you know, in terms of sexuality, they discover a lot together. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it's been fun because I think mm-hmm. it, I'm using a lot of my personal experiences as someone who sort of, I, you know, I, I was sexual very late in my life and I kind of wanted to sort of bring that into the story because we all, you know, how the, everyone in romance and even in like pop culture, we talk about virginities and losing your virginity yes. when you're young. Yes. And, yes. and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter how old you are. And virginity is just a, it's, it's a social construct. You can, exactly. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was important that, you know, it, the, my heroine was not going to be someone who has, who's extremely, who's, you know, had this very sexual history. Because I've already written two heroines who've got um, pretty large sexual history. So let's write right. one that I relate to more in terms of that. Who's So that's, uh, now if I say anything, I might give away more of this book. Okay, okay, don't give, don't, give, don't, don't give away anymore. We'll let the people... <laughs> Go ahead and yeah. pre-order it and, 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 yeah. and be ready for it to drop on their Kindle and it's, it'll be available in KU, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. Okay, awesome. Okay, so we're coming down to the last part of the interview and mm-hmm. we're going to do a little this or that where I ask you okay. questions and you'll be like, which which one do you like, this one or that one or whatever? So Got it. do you like writing love scenes or dramatic arguments? Ooh um both <laughs> I would say love scenes actually I actually like my love scenes um I write because I write open door romances love scenes but I do like my dramatic ones but we'll go with love scenes okay do you like heroes or villains mm. oh you asking me really tough ones <laughs> uh I think it depends but villains have that there's something about villains you know there's a darkness and the grittiness I'm gonna mm. go with villains mm. Your favorite book as a kid? Oof, uh, I do not know. Mm. I cannot remember. I'm going to use the excuse that I'm very old and I can't remember these things. <laughs> You're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But uh, as a kid, no. I think maybe like as a slightly young adult, it was Lord of the Flies by William Golding, which is uh, okay. not a good book to have as your favorite because that book is really so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that one just to sort of to answer the question. <laughs> okay. Your favorite place to write? Um, my my sort of office space in my apartment. Okay. Um, book reviews, do you read them or not read them? For my own book, definitely mm-hmm. not. Um <laughs> I used to, and I realized my mistake pretty early on, like it just sort of makes me very sad so now I don't read them at all like I just I pretend like Goodreads doesn't exist for my books so. <laughs> <laughs> okay as a person who used to write for Rolling Stone and, and work for Sony does mm-hmm. music help you write and if so what type of music do you listen to oh music definitely does I am a huge Foo Fighters fan <laughs> so I have I have the Foo playing as much as possible mm-hmm. but when I'm writing I find myself uh, drifting sort of towards the instrumental music so mm-hmm. I found Lord of the Rings soundtrack is mm. spectacular the because it's all it's just the uh, yeah the soundtrack for that one and How to Train Your Dragon I know it sounds weird because it's an animated movie but the soundtrack <laughs> for that, that one <laughs> me, right it's it's fantastic but the soundtrack for that one it's just it is so beautiful and if you haven't listened to it you should because it is just sweeping and you you feel like you're sort of flying with the dragons. It's mm. it's fantastic. Mm. It's good sort of focus music for me. So Lord of the Rings and How to Train Your Dragon for focus. Mm. But Foo Fighters, if I'm just in the mood. So if I'm writing like a dramatic scene or maybe even a love scene, I think Foo Fighters would be good because it gets your sort of the beats get my blood pumping. 
I never heard of right listening to Foo Fighters and Love Making, but that's a new one. <laughs> that's a new one. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, do you have a favorite word that you use in your writing? Oh gosh, um, no, I probably I I can't think of it. Wow. Mm. Like, do you mean like accidentally use it? And like, there's cases? a word that you you find that you use often. Just as in J-U-S-T. I just, I find that in my manuscript all the time. And my editor points it out every time and she's like, why is this word here? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if that's what you meant, but that is the word. (laughs) Okay. If one of your books became a movie, who Mm -hmm. would you want to play the leads? Well, for book one, I already know who I would cast. Um, Oleander would be played by Gina Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um and Jackson will be played by Dylan O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even so, though Gina Rodriguez is not Indian. You yeah, Indian. she's actually my inspiration. The thing yeah. is that there are so few plus size um Indian women hmm. who fit the mold. So Gina was my sort of in terms of like some physical aspects of her. Mm-hmm. I she was my inspiration for I mean, I would cast myself as Oleander <laughs> just so that I could be around Dylan O'Brien. But oh, yeah. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot act, so we'll use Gina Rodriguez. Okay. <laughs> um, what does literary success look like to you? Oof. This is a this is uh I do not know how to answer this one. Um, I guess nope, do not know. What <laughs> can I turn the question on you and you tell me what you say, know. what you think? Why are you trying to interview me? <laughs> <laughs> well you're an author too I mean I feel like it's only fair (laughs) literate for me literary success is just people enjoying my books and Mm -hmm. and if one person says that they saw themselves in the book then I'm I'm, that's like success to me so that is a great answer can I steal that one sure (laughs) sure (laughs) that's actually that actually that actually makes sense because it does feel good and I agree with you when someone says that my hero or my heroine they saw themselves in and they connected with them that that is pretty special so mm-hmm. yeah I agree with you on that one okay I, I try to give you an easier one next what <laughs> is the what is the last romance novel that you read uh oh what is so I read uh Melanie A. Smith she's written a Christmas novella called The Last Kiss Under the Mistletoe which is mm. something that I just I finished that last night and it was it had a bit of paranormal sort of in it um but it was, it was spectacular I'm a huge Melanie fan so this book was was good it was a good one nice nice mm-hmm. okay um and when it's all said and done what mm-hmm. do you want readers to say about the books that you write like what is what do you want your legacy to be um that the stories were heartfelt and the characters were real and the romance so made them feel happy. I want people yeah. to feel warm and fuzzy. I guess warm and fuzzy is uh-huh. is a good is a good thing that I want people to feel, even with all of the bad stuff that happens in the books. I want them to feel warm and fuzzy at the end. Like all of that culminates in a happily ever after. So warm and fuzzy. Warm and fuzzy. That's perfect. Okay, <laughs> Anna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for so much for getting up early and doing this. <laughs> oh it was my pleasure thank you Um, where can we find you on social media and where can we purchase your books um instagram um probably the best way to find me unfortunately we don't have tiktok in india so no tiktok for me Mm. um my books can be so um, my uh, books are available in kindle unlimited for the ebook readers paperbacks are available everywhere you buy paperbacks um mm-hmm. amazon obviously is a good place to get it but it's mm-hmm. available in barnes and noble it's available at book depository um and book depository is great if you live internationally because it ships internationally for free oh, so nice. that's always a good thing um but mm-hmm. yeah so two books out now and two more coming next year awesome awesome Thank you, Anna. I really, really appreciate it. I l- enjoyed talking to you and learning more about you. And I think I'm an instant, instant fan now. Awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Up next in our What is Book Talk reading, 
book talker and influencer Addie, aka Educated Cloud 11. Happy holidays, everyone. I'm Addie. I go by Educated Cloud 11 on TikTok, and this is what is book talk reading? I want to start by saying thank you for this amazing opportunity. It's exciting to get a chance to provide some recommendation for your what's book talk reading segment. Before I get started, I feel I must warn you, most of my recommendations will be for interconnected series. I adore revisiting characters and plot points, so I'm always on the hunt for groupings of books that will give me that feeling. Figure why not start with what I feel is going to be my favorite book of the year, The Bennett Women by Eden Kube. Sun on the campus of Longbourn College, the Bennett women tells the story of three friends as they navigate love, addiction, trans identity, and discrimination. This is a Pride and Prejudice retelling, which happens to be one of my favorite books. It was nice to see a version of my favorite story that includes women of color and trans representation. This novel tells the story of EJ, Jamie, and Tessa as they try to figure out what they're going to do with their lives, from post-graduation choices to stumbling their way into lasting relationships. This novel provides that angst that you respect from a Pride and Prejudice retelling with the miscommunication trope that you expect from these characters, all while creating a perfect update to the original source material. This is an interracial romance and also deals with relationships with individuals who work in the entertainment industry. can't talk about books without giving some recognition to the books that I found based off of scrolling by book talk feed, especially things from authors like Alexandria House, J.L. Seegers, and Tiffany Patterson, all of whom's works I was introduced to solely based off of my TikTok feed. Through Alexandria House, I found the McLean series, which is a collection of Black romances that focus on more than just that OMG I love you moment. Telling the story of siblings Everett or Big South, Nolan, Neil, Leland, and Kim, the series is an in-depth look into the work it takes to make a successful relationship thrive. Each book tells the story of a different sibling trying to navigate the trials and tribulations of a functional healthy relationship while also being in the public eye. The series is also an amazing glimpse into the influence of family, on relationships. The character's behavior is very reflective of how family will make fun of you but will still pick you up when you're going through it. Titles in this series are Let Me Love You, Let Me Hold You, Let Me Show You, Let Me Please You, and Let Me Free You. Personal by Alexandria House is another novel I've really been enjoying. It's the third book in her St. Louis Cyclone series and is a follow-up including some of the characters from the McLean series. Tells the story of Armand, who is Kim from Let Me Hold You's older son, and Ella, who is the oldest daughter of Big South. Ella and Armand have lived through some pretty trying experiences that has caused them to almost give up on their worthiness of love. But all while they battle with those feelings, they're also dealing with the fact that they've had serious crushes on each other for years and they don't know how to navigate those feelings and the relationships that they have with their family. This is also a femdom story that helps the character Armand who has anger and management issues deal with the frustrations that he has in everyday life. His submission to Ella helps him to calm down. The entire time I was listening to this novel, I couldn't help but notice the parallels between Ella's strong personality and that of her father. As I said, this is a revisiting of those characters, so that strong personality does lead to some conflict while navigating how to express the relationship these two characters now share. My TikTok is currently full of reviews for books by Tiffany Patterson. I have tried to read as much of her works as I possibly can. And while reading those, I found her Townsend series, which is what I feel is an excellent entry 
into her work. I love characters who are willing to go to the ends of the earth for the people that they love. They're also the ones that will set said earth on fire and bask in the flames in order to prove a point. This is absolutely the personality for the Townsend brothers who are the stars of Aaron's Patience, meant to be for keeps until my last breath, and Aaron's Gift, which is a holiday follow-up. These men absolutely love the Black women that they end up getting in relationships with. And their father, Robert, who is my favorite character out of the series, has taught them when it comes to the woman you love, you got to be able to put somebody in a body bag if that's what has to be done. He's also taught them how to properly throw a punch to get a point across about why you're not getting ready to disrespect the people that they care about. Talk about book talk books without including Restore Me by R.L. Seegers. This book has had me in a chokehold all year. I think I've read it two or three times at this point. It's the story of Dominic and Sloan, two people who are trying to deal with their loss while Dominic, our main male character, is also dealing with the fact that he's been in love with his best friend's wife. His best friend has since passed away and the two characters trying to navigate their grief while also fighting their attraction to each other. This novel, this novel absolutely ripped my soul out. I boohooed all while also trying to figure out how I can order Dominic off of Amazon because I really think that everyone deserves someone to love them as hard as Dominic loves Sloan. When I'm not reading TikTok books, I have an affinity for paranormal romance. I have since I read Twilight for the first time. And right now I've really been enjoying my continued exploration of the Black Dagger Brotherhood by J.R. Ward and the La Patron series by Sydney Day. Uh, J.R. Ward writes vampire romance based in Boston, focusing on an elite vampire fighting force that's working to protect their species from discovery by humans, as well as trying to come back from an extinction level war that has annihilated them. Led by the Blind King Wrath, the brothers have been fighting for centuries to protect their people while being wrapped up in a conflict caused by two deities that are arguing with each other about who they feel is their father's favorite. This is a standalone series that can also be read in continuum, and I've been reading the series since 2007, and if you're into paranormal, I think this is a really cool entry point into that world. The Lapa Throne series by Sydney Day, on the other hand, is a werewolf romance series that includes both monoracial and interracial relationships between Hispanic and African-American characters. Our series follows La Patron, who is the leader of all North American werewolves, as he meets and follows his fate at a VA while visiting his injured nephew. He bumps into a woman there who's visiting her own son who was injured in the same incident. And between the two of them, they fall in love and thus begins and continues a multi-generational romance series that focuses on the impact of love and interpersonal relationships on a larger community. The story also focuses on how your relationships with individuals outside of your romantic relationship can deeply impact the relationship that you have with the one you love. This series also has a lot of really excellent LGBTQ representation and I highly recommend everyone give it at least a try. Some of the other books that I've really been into are Another Christmas from Hell by R.L. Mathewson which is the story of Bryce and Kaylee. Two characters are just trying to make it through the holiday while their best friend and brother tries to force them together. After years of watching the two avoid each other, Bryce's whole family decides they've had enough and try to do everything they can to get the holiday haters to fall in love. I also really enjoyed Birthday Shot by Rosie Adams. 
This is a story of Shay as she decides that the best thing that she can give herself for her birthday, with some encouragement from an interfering best friend, is to shoot her shot at her older brother's best friend, Kofi. She's been nursing a crush on him for years and decides that this is going to be her year. And lucky for her, Kofi feels the same way. They're grown now and he's no longer hiding his feelings that he has for her. Another really good book is Electric Idol by Katie Robert. It's part of her Dark Olympus series. It's a retelling of Eros and Psyche's story from Greek mythology. Eros and Psyche are forced into a marriage of convenience after Eros's mom puts a hit out in Psyche. And instead of doing his job, Eros decides to marry her. This is excellent plus size rep. Psyche is a plus size social media influencer who doesn't care about the fact that she's a big girl. She flaunts it and embraces everything that she loves about her curve. At the beginning of 2022, I made myself a promise that I would also read more of the books that I already owned. I have, an ep I have two epic rereads going on actually, one on my Kindle, on the other that is part of my physical collection. I'm reading the Argino series by Lindsay Sands which is a series of vampire romantic comedies. They follow the Arsenault family and all of their friends, led by a matchmaking matriarch, Marguerite. She just wants her loved ones to be with the person that fits them best, or their life mate, as she calls them. The series is an interesting twist on vampire lore, instead of being cursed and or evil, these vampires are the result of lazy scientists who are a bit too good at their job. They've created nanotechnology that keeps you in peak condition, but unfortunately it's got the side effect of giving you fangs and near immortality. And I can't talk about my rereads without discussing my introduction to black romance and black romantic stories. This is a series that I was introduced to by my mother, and I affectionately call it my slump buster. Whenever I can't figure out what I'm going to read, I go back to the Westmoreland series by Brenda Jackson. It's a collection of Harlequin romances that focus on the Westmoreland family. It's a collection of cousins and siblings or just trying to find the romantic one while also maintaining their healthy family ties. And due to that, they find romantic partners, some of which they're introduced to by other family members or it's a longtime friend of say an older brother. The series has grown exponentially since I started reading them when I was 14 years old, but I always go back to them when I need a warm, cuddly hug of reaffirming black luxury and romance i think the series is amazing and anyone who wants a peek at what i consider classic black love stories should absolutely read brenda jackson's westmoreland scene like anyone else i currently have my own collection of anticipated reads that i hope i get to during this holiday season so I'm looking forward to reading Mary Kiss Me by Louise Lennox, Figure of Speech by Kasia Thompson, Revive Me Parts 1 and 2 by J.L. Seegers, A Worthy Love by A.E. Valdez, The Holly Dates by Brittany Cherry, American Royalty by Tracy Livesay, and Before I Let Go by Kennedy Ryan. While I am a big romance fan, I also identify as a really big nerd so I wanted to offer uh, some entry-level and not so entry-level manga as an option. I really enjoy Fruits Basket as well as My Hero Academia and Jujutsu Kaisen. With all that being said these are just some of the books that I'm currently enjoying or have finished in the last few weeks. I'm Addie, and my TikTok is at, at EducatedCloud11. This has been an absolutely amazing experience. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to provide you with some recommendations. So with that being said, happy holidays once again. This has been What Book Talk is Reading.
Well, that's it for this episode of Romance and Color. I want to thank my guest, Anna P, and my friend, book talker, Addie, aka Educated Cloud 11. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening. Uh, I am your host, one half of the duo here at Romance and Color, Tati Richardson, wishing you a happy holidays. And we will see you all again in the new year in 2023. Uh, so in the meantime, God bless, take care, enjoy, and have a safe and wonderful holiday season, however you may celebrate it. Bye.